Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Certain for shepherds in fields as they lay. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a faithful man, faithful to the law, but did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him took Mary to be home as his wife. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Mary gave him the name Jesus, the name the angel told her to use when he said, For he shall save his people from their sins, which is what Jesus means, to deliver, to rescue, to save. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Matthew 121, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he shall be a ruler, the shepherd 
of my people, Israel. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sin is reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Made in time, behold him
Christmas, New Life Fellowship, and everyone who's watching on, on the on the internet. I'm glad you joined us for our mm -hmm. Living Nativity, and thanks to the youth for agreeing to be a part of this, and just all the people that helped to make this happen. It's been such a wonderful process. Just wanted to share a few words tonight as we are reflecting on uh, Jesus and his advent, his coming. You see, we've lit the candle of hope, of love of joy, and of peace, and then the candle of Christ, our Prince of Peace, uh, before you. And that's uh, symbolic of the countdown, the, the advent of Jesus. I love Matthew 121 that says, but she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, a prophet named Isaiah made a crazy, astonishing statement about what Jesus came to do and who Jesus was to those he interacted with. And that statement is found in Isaiah 42. and has been my, my meditation during this holiday season personally. Um, this is a messianic prophecy, 700 years written before Christ, that predicts Jesus' coming and who Jesus was and how he would uh, interact with people and save people long before he came. And in this statement, we see the heart of God to shepherd his people Israel even to the point of shepherding by coming himself as a man, limited um, by, by, by the constraint of a human body, to show us that he is our good shepherd. And, uh, and this statement in Isaiah 42 is such a beautiful statement and, uh, and a call to, to both people that are near and people that are far away. God is the one who calls those who are near and those who are far. And, uh, and 700 years before Christ came, he wanted us to be anticipating this great gift that was coming. So Isaiah 42, 1 to 9, entitled The Servant of the Lord. I love this so much. Just take, take this passage into your heart uh, to, as we read it together tonight. Here's God speaking through the prophet. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. 
In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Can you hear the delight of God in this passage just to be sharing something that he has planned to do from the creation of the world, coming himself in Jesus to show the world the good shepherd and just how far the good shepherd would go to love his people and giving his life. And the delight of God the Father, the Godhead, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, saying, see, the former things have taken place, but new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. I love that. Tonight I want to point out how Jesus uh, responds to people in this passage in Isaiah 42. In Christ coming to earth in the baby Jesus, we are seeing something new that hadn't been seen in the world before or since his birth. This is a new thing, according to God, that had never been done before. When reading this Isaiah passage about Jesus' coming at Christmas, I want to direct your attention to two metaphors that describe Jesus as a person and how he interacts with the people he will come to shepherd. And they're, they're really odd metaphors for us as modern people, for the most part. But these would have been very familiar metaphors, as you'll see, to the original readers of Isaiah. And the metaphors are a bruised reed that says, Jesus will not break. God's servant, in whom he delights, the good shepherd Jesus, a bruised reed, Jesus will not break. You ever seen a bruised plant before? And just how the slightest wind just knocks that thing over. But it says, the bruised reed, Jesus will not break. The second metaphor is a smoldering wick Jesus will not snuff out. A smoldering wick Jesus will not snuff out. And this comes from Isaiah 42, 2-4. to I'll read this one more time. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This passage, though somewhat strange to our ears, tells us what Jesus is like and how he treats those who come to him in faith, looking for a relationship with God. Perhaps people that didn't think they could have a relationship with God. Um, Jesus is trying to say something to those people. The world of Jesus' day was a very, very harsh world. We have many amenities, even in our world, even during COVID-19, they have so many amenities that they didn't have in Jesus' time. Um, people would routinely die during childbirth. Children would die during childbirth. Disease ran rampant. Poverty was gross and, uh, and, and unthinkable. Children were devalued and seen as less than in the eyes of the world of Jesus' day. Um, similar to our world, there were different factions of people who all disagreed with each other and hated one another. And into this world, Jesus came. 
it was a very harsh world. Um, maybe even harsher than the world we live in today because of the things that they had to deal with. And when people in Jesus' world and in Isaiah's world thought about what God was like or what the gods were like, because they believed in multiple gods, they pretty much took the most harsh, authoritarian, militarized, scary images they could imagine and projected them onto the heavens and said, this is who God is. For instance, there's a common belief in the time of Isaiah uh, that a tribal god named Marduk from Mesopotamia would take people and kings who did not bow down and worship him. And here's the quote, Marduk will snap them all into pieces like dry reeds, subduing them under their feet. That was how ancient people viewed deities, viewed small g gods that they worshipped, like Marduk. At the time when Jesus' birth was predicted in Isaiah, gods were just as harsh, even harsher, than the world in which they lived. Gods were not loving, they were precarious, they were undependable, um, and they crushed anyone who would not bow the knee to them. And in that context, in that context, Jesus gets introduced. People imagine that, uh, that the gods would, would come with a bang and, and demand people to, to obey them uh, completely with full allegiance, expecting even impossible things from them. But in contrast to this, we have this description of Jesus' advent and our belief about God coming to the earth in human likeness, even as a vulnerable baby. This is something that you just can't make up, uh, that the God, the all-powerful God, would come as a vulnerable baby into a harsh world. And with, with the context of how, of how people viewed kind of God and deity at the time, listen with fresh ears to how Isaiah describes Jesus and how Jesus is different from what those small g-gods are like. First of all, it says in verse 2, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Jesus did not come with trumpets. In fact, very few people we see in our Advent scene here notice that Jesus came to earth. Few people, many people heard about his ministry, certainly, but even few people knew when he died and when he rose again. He came under the radar for many, many people. He didn't come with a bang. He didn't come demanding uh, a, a demanding that everyone bow the knee to him immediately. He came quietly. He did not shout. He did not cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Second, the bruised reed, he will not break. And the smoldering wick, he will not put out. It says in Isaiah 42, 9, that this will be a radical change for how people perceive what the true God is like. And that's a good thing. He says in, in verse 9, The former things have taken place, new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Jesus will not come under the scene announcing I've arrived, demanding with an army, with weapons, that people bow to him or be snapped in half like a bruised reed. In fact, uh, Jesus invites people into relationship with himself and nurtures even the bruised reeds among us. It says that this unprecedented uh, vision of God in Jesus and the baby Jesus will not come shouting. People will have to listen carefully to hear his voice and what he has to say. And Jesus will not crush people like the popular tribal deities of the day. He will not snap a fragile, bruised reed that makes up humanity. Jesus will deal carefully and tenderly with the lost, the broken, and the weak. He will whisper, not shout. He will beckon people unto himself and begin to be their good shepherd, offering salvation to them 
both in this life and the life to come after death. Further, it says about Jesus in describing how he interacts with people, not even a smoldering wick will he snuff out. In ancient lamps, like the ones used by people who have, who have read Isaiah, there's a twine wick that was put into a lamp, and through this kind of capillary, you know, pulling the oil to the end of the wick, you know, it would burn the whole wick. And at the end, you'd have a smoldering little piece. And any sensible person would take that smoldering piece of wick and toss it on the ground, crush it with their foot, and put it in a new wick. That's what a sensible person would do. The, the, the wick was used up. The wick was useless. It served its purpose. It burned up. It was no longer good for anything but to be thrown away. But our passage in Isaiah says of the Christ, of Jesus Christ, that even this little bit of burnt and useless twine, Jesus would not snuff out. We're seeing a much more gentle picture of God than anyone thought was possible. Even for a used up, despised, a disposable item, Jesus would be gentle and kind in his dealings with it. So the bruised reed he will not break, the wick he will not snuff out. He will not announce himself with trumpets and demand worship. But instead, he comes quietly, and he, he, he requires people to listen carefully in order to find him. So this Christmas, I want you to consider that the God of our culture that they have in their minds whether they say they believe in him or not, and the God we have even in our imagination at times, it's often just a, a projection of what we find in our world. Harsh, frightening, unapproachable, ready to snap every dry reed and snuff out every faltering candle. But the advent of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is meant to show us, to show us the new thing that humanity just can't seem to get from the days of Isaiah to our own days, that we live under a friendly sky, that God has come to us in humility and weakness in order to take on all of those who are humble, weak, and vulnerable as his sheep, as his projects, as, his, as, as the people in his care in whom he delights. And Jesus promises that he will value us as people made in his image and will not give up on people even when they are at the end of their used-up, wick life, vulnerable, feeling useless in their own sight and in the sight of others. Jesus is still at work. And his message is he will not give up on you, even if you've given up on yourself. It says, in fact, that he is faithful even when we are faithless. In other words, Jesus came as a baby in humble circumstances for you so that you can know what God is like. Because it says in the Word, Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, who is a spirit, look at Jesus, look at the person of Christ, and you will see God. And in these humble circumstances in which Jesus was born, he offers his invitation to anyone, anyone, from any corner of creation, even the person who feels they have screwed up beyond belief, and they are just a burned-out wick, and there's nothing left for them, for anyone who turns in simple faith, looking to Jesus the shepherd, and, and, and requests salvation through Jesus in a relationship with God, that he will begin to shepherd not only his people Israel, but everyone who is not Jewish, who has been grafted into his family, his worldwide family. And that is myself, that is my, my friends here, 
And for you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, that's you as well. But know that when you find Jesus, you will find a God unlike anything in your imagination, a God who loves more fiercely than any, any God could conceivably love in our minds, in our imagination. It's, it seems almost too good to be true, but, but it's not. For God has sent Jesus to show us the love that he has for us. It says, greater love has no, no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. When Jesus came, he lived, he laid down his life continually to show his great love to the people who would come. Tonight, I recognize and I will admit freely in the heaviness of the world's darkness that I am also a bruised reed. I feel like a smoldering wick at times. And you are too. We're all very fragile. But Jesus has come to gently shepherd, to speak to us, to whisper to us, to whisper into the heaviness of the world's darkness. The light has come. Jesus came for people like you and me. And the last thing that he wants to do is snap that reed or snuff out that wick. He doesn't want to snap and snuff out people. In fact, his desire is that all should be saved. That everyone should come to a saving knowledge of him, uh, of God, through Jesus Christ. He came in humility. He came as one of us with full accessibility to give us life and life to the full. But we must turn towards the light. No matter how faint it might look, we must turn towards the light in faith, receiving the gift he's given to us of a relationship with God. So I'd say tonight, as we consider the advent of Jesus, his coming uh, that we're celebrating tomorrow, turn to Jesus. And as you consider the one who is gentle and lowly, laying in a manger, God is trying to tell us something, even through this. God wants a relationship with us. I believe that God's desire for a relationship with humanity burns within him. That's what the Bible teaches. He desires to be in a relationship with us to the point that he has made every, uh, every move necessary for us to have a full relationship with him. Jesus came, as it says in the word, to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. In God's own words, in Jesus Christ's own words, in Matthew 11, 28, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus would say, come unto him this holiday season. Celebrate that God was saying something by coming as a vulnerable baby. He was saying, this is how much I love you. This is what I will do to shepherd you. This is what I will do to show you what God is really like and what real love is all about. We're going to end our night singing Silent Night together, which is our tradition, and reflecting on the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus, of him coming as a baby and showing us what God is like. One, two, three, four, two, three.
church family to yours. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you to all the amazing uh, youth and people that helped to make this possible. God bless you. Good night.